Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. Christmas. Which Christmas are you celebrating this year? Because from my point of view, there are two Christmases that happen concurrently and they get conflated, but it's sometimes necessary and helpful to parse them apart. The first Christmas is what I like to call Christmas with Santa. Christmas with the Hallmark Channel. You know, the one that begins in October? <laughs> you know, and, and there's the busy executive in the big city who goes back to his or her hometown and finds true love under the mistletoe on Christmas and it all, you know, that's, there you go. I'm sorry if I've ruined every Hallmark movie for you. <laughs> Uh, there's usually a cute kid or two somewhere involved, and there's, and that's lovely, and that's fine, and you know we we can watch these movies, and they talk about the message of Christmas, and never once mention Jesus or Christ, and it's like it's a whole channel and all that, and it's fun, and there's retail Christmas with all the sales, and we have Black Friday and and uh, and Small Business Saturday, and today Football Sunday, uh, and then tomorrow Cyber. We get back to shopping tomorrow for Cyber Monday. And these are all wonderful parts of the Christmas experience. And then you throw in the parties and the food, and then you throw in some more parties and some more food. And, and before you know it, we're broke and we put on 10 pounds. It's a good Christmas. <laughs> this is life in America. That's fine. You know, let's revel in the season and the joy and have fun and share our relationships and all of that. But maybe a little moderation might be handy. Then there's the more religious Christmas, and that's kind of what we're going to focus on here. Although, you'll see all the trappings of Christmas going on, and we can, we can celebrate these two Christmases concurrently. And it's a lot of fun and adds richness and depth if we do. So, the Christmas season really begins today the first Sunday of Advent, a time of preparation. And it is a time of preparation for the historical event of the birth of Jesus in the world and that symbolic rebirth of Christ consciousness in us. And today, it seems more significant to me than in years past. You know, we are coming out of the pandemic experience and that absolute disruption of everything that we knew. That happens for us as individuals, in our families, in our world, in the church even. So I shared earlier this year my theme for 2022, and I like to have a theme every year in leadership. And the theme this year has been Renew in 22. And that's really been focused on bringing our ministry teams back and getting our people back and integrating this wonderful online opportunity we have to share truth. So thanks to you at home who are a part of this experience or wherever you happen to be. And then there's this personal side. As we look back and reflect on that absolute disruption, and I don't know if you've really thought about it, but there were so many elements of the experience of shutdown and, and the drama around vaccines and masking and yada, yada, yada. You all know what that is and what that was and where you've been with that particular journey. To now we get to Advent 
to this preparation of this rebirth of Christ in us. And so I'm asking myself, how will I renew in 22? How will I be reborn in that Christ consciousness in this Lenten, uh, Advent season? You know, I'm getting ahead of myself. Lent's next year. It's a significant question, and it hinges, I think, upon how we look at ourselves, how we are willing to grow, and what we are willing to experience. You know, I mentioned earlier that the initial celebrations and observances of Advent included a lot of fasting. But more than that, it included a lot of time of prayer and contemplation. So when I think about the new me, the new Christ spirit in me about to be reborn, what is it that I see for myself? What do I hope for myself? What do I believe about myself? What is possible? And how might I live that truth in the world? And how might I draw inspiration from the stories of the birth of Jesus and all that went into that experience and even see that experience in myself and in the world? So to do that, that means putting aside the rum balls and the fruitcake and all of that and going within and being still and making this a time of prayerfulness and discernment. It isn't always easy, especially at a time frame when we're being pulled to do this and do that and get caught up in the freneticism of Santa Christmas. But it can be done. And I can tell you, it will be a very rich and rewarding experience. There are two stories that relate to the birth of Jesus in the Bible. Those are found in Matthew and in Luke. The first gospel to be the oldest gospel, Mark doesn't have a nativity story. In the gospel of John, we have a very cosmic version of the Christ consciousness. The oldest Christian writings, those of Paul, don't say anything about the birth of Jesus. So we really have two stories that we can take into meditation, that we can take into discernment and ask ourselves, how are they informing me? in my experience of my own rebirth? What are they awakening in me? What might I see in the stories this year that maybe I did not see in the stories before? What have I learned in this period of disruption of the pandemic that might be, re, uh, that might be discovered as I look into my heart and as I look out into the world? So I want to share with you the story of, of the birth of Jesus as seen in the book of Matthew. It's, it's relatively short, so we'll be, we'll be out of here before 1230 or 1 o'clock. <laughs> or not. That's all right. It's a great rainy day, and the games don't start till 1 o'clock anyway. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we have observed the star in the east and have come to pay him homage. Though there's kind of something funny here um, in this story, because we, the Magi came from about where Iran is. And to get to where Jesus was born in Bethlehem, that was to the west. But they saw his star rising in the east. 
and then they went that way. So I'm not sure if they went the long way around. Anyway, some of the translations just say, we saw this star at his star at its rising. Okay, that's probably a little bit easier. Well, the people weren't very literate back in the day. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all of Jerusalem with him and calling together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for it has been written by the prophet and you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people in Israel. That was a prophecy that Matthew pulled into his narrative. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may go there and pay homage. When they heard the king, they set out. Ahead of them went the star that they had seen in the east until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. Upon entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. So there's a very interesting story. These guys came from a far country. They were uh, alerted that something really significant has happened. They followed a star. They came and they brought homage to the Christ child. They brought these gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh out of respect, highly valuable gifts. You know, sometimes that happens within us when we discover and learn about the truth of ourselves. There is a light. There is divinity within us. And it helps us to call back to ourselves appreciation. It calls us to remember our own worth and value and dignity when we realize that worth and dignity are the truth of who we are. We are all valuable. We are all precious. And I truly believe that in some way, shape, form, there was a star of some sort over the place where each and every one of us was born. Because these stories aren't only about Jesus. In our unity and new thought way of looking at these stories, we know that these are stories about each and every one of us. Each and every one of us worthy of receiving these gifts, these highly important symbols. And there is a time in our lives when we sometimes realize we must give ourselves the most precious gifts gifts of self-respect, self-acknowledgement, give ourselves our own pat on the back. And yes, if somebody else wants to come and offer them as well, then graciously receive. How many of us go through life turning down compliments? Oh, it was nothing. Oh, please. Everybody else did it, not me. It's like, no, the story is telling us receive your good. If there's something about Christmas, it is about receiving the gifts and the blessings of life. So many times, how many of us have, have affirmed, I, I would desire to experience X, Y, or Z, and then when it comes, we turn it away because we're not open to receive. You know, come and receive the gifts. 
Now, one of the things that is not well known is that Mary herself was an early adopter of Twitter. <laughs> you laugh, but she was. And she tweeted about the experience of receiving the gifts. And I think we have a copy of it. Well, I just had a baby in a barn. So thanks to everyone who brought gifts, the gold, the perfumes, all things babies love. Also the child who inexplicably played drums like right in my face. This, this was great. <laughs> well, Mary hadn't learned to be grateful for the gifts. <laughs> I saw that and I thought, how precious is that? Yeah, we can take that off the screen. But I digress. Now, after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went into Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the Magi. Now, this is a part of the story that doesn't make the children's pageants. We don't talk about it a whole lot. But as I lean into the stories of the birth of Jesus this year, I am keenly aware of the fact they were refugees. The ruling authority in the land in which they, Jesus was born sought to kill Jesus. Power, in this instance, was paranoid and frightened. The power at the time didn't realize that perhaps there was another way of looking at the story. There was a great fear in this narcissistic leader about this baby. And let's think about that. So in our sacred story about the birth of Jesus, about the rebirth of Christ consciousness, however that happens in our lives, there is this overlay of violence. Now, whether or not this story actually happened or not is up for debate, but it was recorded as sacred scripture, which makes me wonder, is this story this year awakening in me, in us, the realization that perhaps we shouldn't only focus on the Hallmark movies and what we're going to get the kids and how much calories we're going to have. But is this story maybe telling us that Christmas is a time to look around the world? Is telling me, look around the world to see where is this story being played out now or something very similar to it? So I looked. Did you know that according to the UN Commissioner, High Commissioner for Refugees, there are at least 100 million refugees and asylum seekers in the world who have fled their own countries because it was not safe because Herod, in whatever shape or form, is in power, is weaponizing the resources of the country against the citizens of that country. Or maybe Herod shows up as poverty, extreme poverty, and people are wanting to flee and get away from it. Or maybe Herod is showing up as poor health or gang violence. That consciousness is around us and in the world. 
And according to the same resource, nearly 54 million people are internally displaced within their own countries. We know that there are refugees and asylum seekers seeking to come to this country, as has always been the case. We've seen the stories in the, all around the world, people fleeing a Herod of some sort or another. So when I think about Christmas this year, I can't help but think, is this story telling me something that is either mine to do or to share in some way, shape, form? So I've invited into my prayer time the idea, as we always hold here, but I'm being much more intentional about it, of worth and value and respect for all humans. Holding the value of leaders all around the world, not our own, but all world leaders being open to divine guidance for how best to serve the people in their lands. Holding in mind that consciousness that says, we are here for one another. Where we don't have to flee or hide. I was thinking, too, about the experience of, I'll pick a recent mass shooting. We're going to go with the one in Colorado at the gay bar. I remember as a young gay man going to the bar, as we affectionately referred to it, as our Egypt. Egypt metaphysically symbolizing a shadowy yet safe place where you could hide and feeling safe. And my heart ached where, once again, Another mass shooting in a safe space, whether it was a bar, a church like Mother Emmanuel in Charleston, Tree of Life Synagogue, safe spaces. What are we to do? What am I to do? And I stay in touch with my friend I've mentioned before, who was one of my translators when I was working in Ukraine, and she and her family escaped very quickly at the start of the war. So we hold our sunflowers here as a reminder to hold those folks in prayer. But so many people all around the world are fleeing a Herod of one kind or another. Well, one of the things I have done about it is recently, well, this fall, Unity Worldwide Ministries sent out a call for ministers who might like to be on a social action team that would advise the Board of Trustees on positions related to topics of the day from a point of view of truth. And when I saw the experience of, refugee, of, of a governor of one state sending an airplane to another state to get refugees and asylum seekers and taking them to a third state, I thought to myself, there's something foul about that. We must address it. So our team came together and crafted a statement, the Unity Worldwide Ministries Humanitarian Statement that was approved by our Board of Trustees and released on November 21st. And I would like to read it to you that's there on the screen. Unity Worldwide Ministries is a spiritual organization which honors the inherent dignity and value of all humanity. We have great compassion for immigrants, asylum seekers, and refugees and strongly support legislation that seeks humane immigration reform, including humane treatment for families, adequate food, medical care, and essential services. 
We also support putting an end to discriminatory practices on the basis of national origin and stand in solidarity with those who advocate for legislative reform based on human rights for all those seeking asylum. And from Leviticus chapter 19, you shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. A powerful statement of what we are for. However it comes to pass, we don't know the exact way in which it will come to pass. We sometimes say that with our prayer work, we supply the what and God supplies the how. This statement aligns with all of our core values here at Unity of Fairfax, love and action, inclusivity, spirit-centered, integrity, peace. So I think about the Holy Family fleeing into Egypt because they had nowhere else to go. Otherwise, the story tells us the Christ child would have been killed. I don't mean to be a downer. Trust me, I don't mean to be a downer. I'll always remember coming to unity when I learned about the whole consciousness and that idea of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because what that taught me was first initially for myself that there were conditions in my life, and there were, with which I was dissatisfied. I inherently had the power to change those, or at least influence those, by adjusting my thinking and eventually could free myself and liberate myself to be that reborn person who wasn't a victim anymore. And when I think about when I, what I see with the conditions in the world, I am reminded that that same power that works individually in me works in the collective. That through my thoughts, my words, my actions, and yes, my contributions, I can be a positive force for good. I can live my values however small it might seem on the global scale. But it is something. And as I often say, something is 100% more than nothing. And I'm so grateful that I learned that in unity. I'm so grateful that I learned in unity that through the same power of Christ within me, that spirit within me, that yes, I can acknowledge the various and sundry facts in the world, and some of them are pretty rotten, and I can still be in joy with Christmas and with high-fat food and with candles and with people I love. And I can do both because there is enough good in me to go around that I can balance and see it all. Ultimately, I think what the Christmas season invites us into really is a sense of spiritual maturity, if we will allow it, to be able to see the world as it is and still remain in joy and still remain empowered and still remain ready to give shape and form to these four key values of the season, the peace and love and joy and faith. So I'm excited this year about Christmas. I hope you are excited this year about Christmas. I hope you take a deep dive into those stories and see how they come alive for you this year. 
And that way you can live that gift of Christmas, that you can be recognizing in yourself how Christ is reborn in you as bigger and stronger and more gracious than you could have ever conceived. And as homework, I invite you to add to your Christmas list this year, if you're sharing the good, a relief organization, domestic or abroad. There are so many of them doing wonderful work. And though you might think $10, $15 won't make a difference, it will make a huge difference. People will eat and they will be nourished, not only in body, but in spirit, because you opened your heart and allowed this message of Christmas to be a gift to the world. Peace be with you and namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.